Hello, all you beautiful humans. It's me, Ian. It's been um, a couple weeks now since uh, we released anything for the podcast. Uh, Thank you, anyone who's listening, for your patience. I uh, have been in a bit of a transitional, transitionary, transit, transitory. I've been in a state of transition over the past few weeks. Um, I just got back from a wildly transformative uh, trip to Sedona, which I will be talking about um, on a podcast maybe two weeks from now with a brother of mine. So stay tuned for that. And just moved into a new space up in Portland. So been a lot of um, ebbing and flowing in my life, but I am pretty settled now and really ready to continuously dive deeper into this podcast. It's truly one of the most fulfilling aspects of my life. I'm so, so grateful that I get to do it. And yeah, thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. It's such a gift to me. And today, today, I am talking to Faye Wolf. And fucking whoa. (laughs) I just listened back on the podcast this morning in preparation for recording this intro because it was quite a few weeks ago. And I am truly blown away by her. She is so kind and authentic and compassionate really such a wonderful wonderful human being um Faye's a shamanic healing practitioner here in portland so we dive into that we talk a lot about the importance of community and um, as you all know i'm very deep in the world of men's work Faye is also very deep in the world of women's work, so at the end of this podcast, we get into a really, really beautiful discussion about um, how the two of those come together and uh, talk a lot about the, the, um, the integration like of the feminine and masculine energies, and it's a really special conversation. I know you all will enjoy it, and... Again, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you would like to support it, the best way and easiest way is to just leave us a rating and a review on iTunes and also share this with someone that you love that you think could benefit from hearing it. I love you all so much and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Faye. I think it was like a month long goddess connection zoom call series yeah. and i got to pop in like during one of them for like 15 minutes i remember was... that and i remember meeting you in the winter as well at amanda's house right yeah yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i didn't even i feel bad i didn't even remember that we had actually met in person at that interaction oh, that's it's okay. coming rushing back now but uh-huh yeah briefly i think Mm. Mm -hmm. um 
how do you feel about dropping in with a little breath and meditation i would appreciate that and would you like to do the honors or would you like me to i would love for you to if you're open to that yeah very much so thank you yeah of course i'm gonna rios are you coming back in Okay. I was wondering if you wanted to join us for quick. Okay, we will wait then. <laughs> hmm. You had one session already today? Um, so it was actually Rios and I um as we're as like I transition into practice of being versus what it was before. Um, we were intending on doing like a dry run of the new kind of format, mm. but we, we didn't end up doing that. We just kind of had a fun free flow conversation, oh, cool. um, which we'll still do, but, um, yeah, it was good. So you're, you are the first guest for this. Okay. Um, and I, I couldn't think of a better one. Mm. I think it's going to be really special. Wow. <sighs> Rios, do you feel good and ready? I do. Okay. As you're ready, I'll invite you here to close down the eyes and begin connecting to the breath. For now, just focusing on the tactile sensation of the air flowing in through the nostrils, being warmed by the heat of the body as it passes back out through the nose. Take note of the weight of the body pressing into your seat and know that while we may be separated by this chair, this couch, the foundation of this home we are so blessed to be beneath, that the connection between us and the earth is not cannot ever be severed. Just as we are one with ourself, with all that we love, so we are with the earth. On the next inhale, breathe slow and steady through the nostrils, expanding out through the belly let it fill up the chest. And on the exhale, just relax the body, letting the air flow naturally out through the nose. No effort, no strain. Know that nothing is being asked of you in this moment other than the gift of your presence for being here now exactly as you are bringing awareness here 
to the energy buzzing within the fingertips, the hands, up through the arms and into the heart. The feeling of these trillions of cells that make up our being, folding in, dying, being reborn, never ending, never slowing, but that this energy within you at all times is always coming through, out, and in to the body and the essence of all that we are. Come together here for three more full rounds of breath, inhaling deep through the nose and letting the breath flow out. Again, in through the nose. to bring some subtle movements back into the body, maybe touching the thumb to the index finger, the middle finger, the ring finger, and the pinky. Maybe gently wiggling the toes, letting the head rock back from one side to the other. Inviting in gentle, intuitive moment movements. And when you're ready, let the eyes softly open. being here, Faye. Yeah. It's really such a gift. Mm-hmm. How are your levels in your ears or in your headphones? Is that like good? With the volume? Yeah. Like yeah. Comfortable. It is. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> Can I ask um, how you are feeling in this moment? Yeah. I'm feeling really open in my heart. Um, really expansive I just had I'm just coming out of a weekend of being with some really wonderful soul family and being in nature so that's always like a, um, a space of heart opening for me mm. uh, so yeah I'm feeling very very open mm. what do you feel is it about the experience that you're coming from from the weekend um, that is so expansive for you I think it's this space of connecting with these people where I feel so safe. Mm. Um, and it's, it's just this organic quality that 
I feel like we learn so much from each other. We'll come together usually a few times a year and it's like this recognition of ourselves in mm -hmm. one another and it just it puts me in my body in a way that I think is hard to be in just in day-to-day -day life, you know, moving and and going about work and business and all of the things. Um, but that was like a really sacred space mm. for me to for me to just be me. Yeah. Yeah. It's really incredible how much we can see about ourselves through other people seeing us. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So I'd like to ask um, to get a little bit of a better sense of, of who you are for myself and everyone else. Um, say that it's the end of the day. You are getting into bed. Your mind is completely at peace, at rest. You are content with what has happened. There's no part of this day that you feel you weren't authentic or aligned or genuine in. Take us through what that day would look like for you when you're fully in your flow, where you can come to a space at the end, knowing that you have done what you're meant to do. For me, I feel that a big part of what might contribute to an experience such as that is me getting out of my own way. Um, if I'm not having that experience, I might be replaying situations in my head. I might be overanalyzing um, my actions or my words or conversations that I had with people. Um, and so if I imagine going to bed at the end of such a day and and wasn't doing that or wasn't overanalyzing myself um i think that would that would mean that i that i really felt safe mm. that day you know uh and likely that i felt really seen by those that i was with um yeah so those are some of the feelings that i know would have come about from that day mm. what is um a typical day for you look like when you're in the flow when you're really like committed to your practice mm. well I usually uh, start the day with my intentional community in prayer and we we usually gather at seven o'clock in the morning so that's first thing um, and then after we spend about 30 minutes together and I've had my breakfast and my coffee, then I love to practice yoga. I love kundalini yoga. Um, and I always have, but something about these COVID times has really upped this practice for me where it's become like um, my anchor. And so on a good day, I'll get 30 minutes to an hour of that practice in. Um, and if there's spaciousness, then I might do some of my own personal prayer or energy clearing or tarot cards, you know, or journaling something a little personal for myself to just uh, not just tap into collective energy, but really whatever is coming up in my my own personal work. Mm -hmm. uh, and then from there, really dive into the day. I do my emails and scheduling and sessions midday and into the evening and then come back with my community for dinner. Mm. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. 
do you feel um, like obviously our lives can be chaotic and messy and we might not always get to do our routine mm-hmm. in the beginning of the day on the days where you're unable to make that happen like do you feel an energetic shift in the rest of your day following yes most of the time um and there are sometimes you know where we're all in different rhythms and different flow so i i definitely notice like there might be you know a a, a period of days where that's that's not available mm-hmm. maybe coming off of a you know off of a big work cycle or whatever it is sometimes that extra self-care is rest right so it might just be sleeping in Mm -hmm. um but it does it does change the flow of the day for me because if if I didn't get to have that personal practice then I didn't have the chance to really check in with myself before um I opened up that space to be available for other people whether that's in my community or um in my business so it just kind of stacks up on itself a little bit, you mm. know, and and I think that's inevitable. I don't think any of us, uh, I think it would be really hard to be perfect at that, you know, and expect for that to come every day. Uh, but I, yeah, absolutely. I definitely notice, you know, if I'm, if I'm not able to have that in my day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I, I love what you said about, um, how the morning routine and like the practice is often just a time of like actually checking in with yourself Mm -hmm. seeing what might be needed um especially when what you do is very much focused around um healing and facilitating space for other people um if you could sum up for us like as if you were um speaking to a new client and, and explaining to them like who you are and what it is you do and what it is you offer with this kind of work what mm-hmm. would you say yeah so my name is Faye Wolf I'm a shamanic healing practitioner I use energy work and the balancing of the masculine and feminine energies to support individuals in exploring their self or healing from trauma um, or coming into a deeper space of authenticity and I specialize in women's work and working around issues of sexual trauma, sexuality, the divine feminine, the dark feminine, uh, inner child work. Yeah. How has that practice before you before you started offering it in this way, before this became um, kind of your medicine for the world? How did it first show up in your life? Mm. Through my own experiences of darkness and healing um, and understanding my own childhood trauma. And it was a long road to even understanding that and uncovering that and knowing who that inner child was and what they had been through. It was, it felt very covered up at first when I first began that journey. Um, but that was that was where it began, and I'm always consistently drawing on my own healing um, for the work that I do. Uh, it's it's never over. I don't mm. I don't think it's ever over. Uh, but yeah, probably 
two to three years of a deep dive into that and working with um, my teacher, who is a shamanic practitioner as well, and learning how to heal myself. Hmm. Was there um, was there a macro incident in your life, like one particular event where you recognized that something needed to shift and needed to change that set you down on this path? I think there were several mm. over the span of maybe about a year or two. Um, yeah, it was actually about two years of these kind of big events popping up in my life. And I would say there were three. Mm. And each of those moments was like a, an invitation um, to do the work and to understand my purpose and to commit to that and on the third time you know I said okay I'm here for it do you feel comfortable sharing what those three or even just what the third incident were like what yes happened? yeah the third incident was me being in a um a committed partnership in a relationship with a with a man and realizing that all of my trauma was being mirrored back to me through this partnership and through this person um and because i had those couple of experiences you know the year prior to that uh i knew that that this was that this was really time to to understand um more about what those what those energetic and emotional and um trauma blocks were for myself and i think uh you know i would say that the first two were more of just these little glimpses you know it was like i could feel spirit in those moments trying to direct me somewhere but it wasn't personalized enough perhaps mm -hmm. And when I was in this relationship and could see very clearly what what was coming up within myself being mirrored by this person, it was like, a, oh, OK, this is not this outward thing um, to go to go search for. Uh, this is an inward journey. And um, that was, I think, the beginning of my commitment. Mm. I was also reading, I remember at that time. A book about shamanism for the very first time and it was this uh sense you know as i was reading reading this book and learning about this world that i've never learned about before it was such a deep like resonance of like this makes sense to me this language i understand like i see the world through this lens and mm. i had never had that before um yeah so it was just it was really a personalized moment i think mm what was it that was being mirrored back to you that you began to recognize in that in that partnership when you knew that something needed to shift what was it that you were discovering about yourself that had been um covered before it was uh my relationship to the masculine and the way that i was in this relationship very codependent 
um, that I wasn't listening to my own truth. I wasn't able to express my voice to this person uh, because I didn't feel myself as an equal with mm. them. Um, and I think I can look back, you know, and say that. I don't know that I would have been able to say that exactly, you know, in that moment. But I know I recognize an imbalance and I know that I recognize that there was something happening here that was it was shutting me down more. And yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a good feeling. Yeah, I I feel like for myself and many people, the difficulty comes in that. Um, we often like get the sign that something's wrong, but we don't really know what exactly is wrong. Mm -hmm. And also we don't know how to go about fixing it. Mm -hmm. um, and thankfully it sounds like the third go around, you had like some tools ready at your disposal that were really able to help you start seeing this and balancing it and identifying how to change it. Mm -hmm. So what were some of the pieces of that um, shamanic practice that you got into that really resonated and allowed you to, I suppose, like integrate this and alchemize it into what is now, it sounds like your medicine that you offer. Yeah, it was a recognition, um, you know, through this, through this book that I was reading that, you know, there's such deep wisdom in the, in the earth. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it was, it was almost like a permission slip you know, for, for what I felt was that like, oh, it is okay to be in relationship with the earth in this way. It is okay to let yourself be led by spirit. But I think um, where I was at at that time, it was like a constant self-doubt, you know, it was, had these little spaces of letting myself go into that intuitive thing, take that trip or, you know, do that thing and have some really juicy rewards from that. But I was, but I know spirit was like calling on the phone for a really long time before I really picked it up that that final time. And it was, yeah, I was reading that book and, and realizing like, oh, medicine people, that's a thing. Oh, uh, people have been doing this for thousands of years, you know, and and I and I think I had this internalized um, shame around constantly feeling a bit like an outcast, you know, just within my family system or within the communities that I was a part of, of trying to trying to trying to understand the world around me and the culture that we live in and uh, f feeling like the way that I wanted to be in relationship with spirit and the earth and one another felt really different from what I saw others doing around me. And I felt like the more that I wanted to talk about that, the more isolated I felt. And again, I think it was just that internalized shame. So after I read that book, um, I immediately looked online and I, and living here in Portland, Oregon, I said, okay, are there, you know, are there shamanic practitioners here? How can I learn more about this? And um, that was when I found my teacher and I called them and left them a message and they didn't get back to me for, maybe like a month if I remember right um and and it was again kind of this thing of like oh maybe that wasn't it you know maybe I thought I maybe I thought that was spirit speaking to me and it wasn't and I don't remember what it was about that day that they called but I remember 
having some kind of internal shift uh that was again that affirmation of like no i think this is right like okay let's try again you know let's go look again and this person called me back and from there it was like a really really deep journey of commitment Mm. um to understanding or to learning i guess about my path here still a long journey from that moment on and still is but uh yeah, it was this this space where I said, "Okay, I'm committed to this." Yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I wanna I wanna ask more about what that journey was, but first, um, that that shame that you experienced for really just showing up the way that you are. It sounds like. Can you connect that back to like a particular memory when you were young? or like a general experience when you were younger that kind of like then perpetuated through the rest of your life? Yeah, I think I could trace it even before that as well. Ancestrally, um, as someone who is mixed race with some um, Native American and uh, white ancestry, Um, it's my father's side that is Chippewa and there's I I really feel that there was just so much um, internalized shame and racism Uh, and I felt that you know I really felt that in my body and I felt that in my family system as well this this sense of like oh there's this whole part of us and our culture that we don't really talk about and we don't know I didn't know anything about it Mm -hmm. Um, my father that I know of I don't think knew very much Um, and yeah so I think it started from there it started from me feeling feeling this connection to a culture and a thing that I didn't know about and it didn't feel like there was permission or space to talk about it Um, and yeah I remember having moments similar to that as a child as as well just being a very imaginative person um talking to animals and plants and and in whatever way just feeling kind of like an outcast for that I don't know that I can remember anyone ever you know saying anything particularly hurtful or doing something particularly hurtful but there was just this energetic sense of like I don't know anyone that wants to play in this world with me Mm. Um, yeah, so I think that's where it started. Do you feel that like over time as you were young and, um, growing older up until the point of this kind of awakening that you started to, um, try to like separate yourself from that part of you that did want to be the magic woman and wanted to be connected to the earth and talk to the plants and the animals and, and live in that dimension where we all we're always there but we rarely let ourselves see it do you feel like over time that kind of got stifled within you absolutely and i can really pinpoint the age of when that happened i remember like seventh grade around 12 or 13 really what i what i experienced as taking on another form of karma so it was like i really left that part of myself i really chose to um, abandon her and try to fit in and uh yeah try to try to exist in a culture where i felt like i was going to be accepted and i don't think it was until 
I met my teacher and started doing that work that I really even got tastes and memory again of that person. And I remember that being some of the, the earliest inner child work that I did was going back to those early adolescent parts of myself. And, you know, when I would find her, she was just so shut down. She felt so abandoned. Um, and yeah, so there was a lot for a long time. There was a lot of grief around that as I was coming back into what felt like a deeper authenticity with myself. There was a lot of grief around, wow, I, I wish I didn't have to go on that journey of ever losing you. I wish I didn't um, separate myself from you for a decade. Um, and now after going through that and uh, holding space for other people going through that, I understand that this is a huge part of the human experience, a big part of why we come to earth, you know, is to lose ourselves and to come home again and lose ourselves and come home again, I believe anyway. Um, so I've been able to make peace with that, but it's, it's, it's heartbreaking at the same time. Yeah. No, Noel and I had spoke a few weeks ago. We were like sitting on the river bank and, um, discussing what it might be like to at the, you know, at the end of this, of this go around or anyone prior to this, when we are invited back into the divine, everything that is everything whatever that state of consciousness is like when we no longer have a body and we're kind of like looking back down on the earth and contemplating like do we want to go back for another round like it's cool down there but also like it's really fucking hard um and at first my thought was like no i think i think i'll be good i think that this one will do it but then considering like but look at all those people suffering, mm -hmm. especially in the year of 2020, where we have more resources than ever, but also more like depression, anxiety, like suicide, mental health. I, I have a lot of thoughts on that we don't need to get into, but apparent like a, there's there's so much happening right now. And there's such a space and a necessity of service and medicine that I think in that space I couldn't look down and be like no just leave him alone mm -hmm. but my one stipulation and we said this was like okay but I'm gonna figure this shit out quickly this time mm. I'm gonna be young when I like when I come home I'm gonna be in my 20s so I don't have to spend my whole life being unhappy and afraid and disconnected before and I feel really really blessed um that I feel like I found my way home mm. very quickly and I'm still finding it certainly and still lose my way time and time again. Um, but I know it's there now. Yeah. I'm curious as to like during, during that time, during that decade when you out of, I mean, this almost necessity for fitting in, you had to disconnect from this, this, the wild woman energy. Were there ways that you found that you had to cope, that you had to like practice being all right? Yeah. Yeah. 
what were some of those things for you? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, alcohol and substance abuse was a way to keep myself disembodied, you know, um, but from that disembodied state was a way to, was a way to feel. It was like through those um, substances or alcohol use, I was able to connect a little bit, mm. you know, connect a little bit with that heart, a little bit of that wild woman, of that free spirit. And, um, you know, anyone who's been on a journey uh, with substance abuse knows that like that's not that's not a clear, you know, or usually even fun way to access that part. Um, but when you don't even know How else? that you're missing mm. a part of yourself, you know, when you don't even know what it is that you're looking for through um, those substances or those those moments, uh, yeah, it's it's really hard to recognize, you know, what it is that feels good about that but definitely you know um in my later teens and early 20s that was a way of coping with the trauma of separation from self mm. yeah we in um in aa they say the opposite of addiction is connection mm. and we and like these coping mechanisms are essential yeah. for our survival. At one point they served us. And I think that one of the reasons that there's so much, I mean, we have socially accepted addictions like alcohol, social media, cigarettes, um, relationships, like some that are very much so like, yeah, that's just something everybody does. Right. And then we have some that are very taboo, like opiates, methamphetamines, um, like serial polygamy, whatever the thing is. There are some that people are not quite down with, but all of them are trying to heal the same wound, mm -hmm. the same um, like God's God sized hole, God shaped hole in the heart. Right. And. And I feel more than connection to others, it's connection to self, which in turn is connection to others. But what do you feel like looking back, reflecting on these um, these moments where you're driven to this this substance or alcohol or connection or whatever the thing is um, like what what is the trigger? that's causing it or what what was the trigger that was causing it can you reflect on the moments where um you knew you needed something didn't know what you needed and so you turned to what you knew yeah i think it comes back to some of that piece of wanting to fit in to mm -hmm. um having social anxiety having trauma in my body that i was un unaware of being kind of dissociated uh, this was kind of like the perfect storm to uh, using alcohol and substances as a way to cope with that. And yeah, I think it was just just this feeling that, you know, right here just isn't quite OK. Mm -hmm. 
being right here right now around all these people um with this out-of-body experience that i'm having it's just it's just not okay um so yeah using using substances to to both numb i suppose that feeling of not being okay but uh also an off way attempt to connect with the body like a shadowy way you know of trying to bridge that connection from the dissociation and the separation and the not okayness mm -hmm. do you find that you do you still find yourself being triggered in these ways do you still find yourself like feeling these kinds of same emotions and if so like what are the new methods that you, what are the tools that you have now after all your practice and all your training and learning and teaching that you have to bring yourself back and reconnect now yeah that's such a great question i remember how the energetic tool of grounding was so game-changing and life-altering for myself and that is a tool that I will carry in my pocket until the, the day I leave this earth um, because it is a safe way to access being in your body and for those that struggle with disassociation or even if you're kind of looking at it from like an energetic chakra based sense those who who have a tendency to be a little bit more in those upper chakras uh, that tool of grounding and um, taking a moment to bring my energy deeper into my body into myself and then beyond myself as well and in connection with the earth which with this this uh, entity that wants to hold us you know that wants to keep us on the ground when there's so many things pulling us out of the body or uh into that into the upper realm you know i think it's part of that uh um imbalance you know with the masculine as well uh but that tool in particular is like number one mm. for myself and it was the first tool that i needed to 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 begin that journey of um exploring my body and feeling safe in my body and feeling safe to feel all those emotions that I was suppressing. Can you delve a little deeper into what this practice looks like for you? Yes. Um, so with the, the energy, the style of energy work that I use, um, which balances the masculine and the feminine energies, uh, this grounding practice starts by opening the channels in the legs and in the bottoms of the feet. And we think about the left side as the feminine side and the right side as the masculine side. Uh, so without getting, you know, too much into it, it's the thought of pulling up uh, energy from the earth in through the left side of the body and then opening up that channel on the right side of the body to release so that as you're going about your day or just even taking that moment to drop in with yourself you have this consistent channel that can continue you can continue to let go and send energy out of and then this other channel that you can continue to pull energy from and ground yourself and so you're receiving and letting go and um yeah i've found that that just 
really brings this like sense of ease to the nervous system mm. and for myself just makes me feel uh, more at home in the body so it's kind of like a constant state of ebbing and flowing and giving and receiving bringing you to some kind of like comfortable stasis in the body yes absolutely and then you know throughout the day knowing like oh am I am I getting a little worked up right now is mm. there is there too much okay I have that channel I've, I've already you know sat with this this morning or whenever I did uh, that channel is now it's it's on it's open I can I can take a moment to send that energy out or if I'm having uh, tr trouble staying in my body I can take a moment to really be with that left side and bring up that that grounding energy to fill me up and keep me here a little bit longer mm. beautiful thank you mm -hmm. um so fast forward a little bit you are um you say about two or three years ago this is when when you had your first teacher yeah i think this would have been maybe four years ago now okay so four years ago you meet your first teacher you've had the experience of essentially knowing now that you are carrying this shame that something needs to shift in your life that you have like disconnected yourself from this this very sacred divine and powerful part of you what is the process like now regaining that It is about two years of uh, really going into the dark night of the soul. Step by step, um, you know, kind of having that space held by my teacher, but letting my own intuition and the guidance of what felt like spirit just reveal, you know, um, the lessons the emotions that I had suppressed, the parts of myself that I had blocked. And uh, yeah, it was kind of like a, like a spiritual boot camp, you know, of mm -hmm. just unlayering and unlayering and un unlayering um, these pieces of myself that really needed healing and love and holding and recognition. What were some of the practices during that time that you were being shown or that were being offered to you to get back to this space of um i mean not just healing your wounded child but also reconnecting with the child that was very much like in this space of freedom and connection yeah so it would often look like um doing some shamanic journey uh with my teacher maybe finding these pieces of myself uh, what we call soul fragments or doing some soul retrieval and then outside of my time with my teacher holding space to really connect with those parts of self and everyone is every one of those parts you know that's been suppressed that comes back looks a little bit different sometimes it's like the best reunion ever and sometimes it's like I don't know how to love them in that moment it's like I didn't know you know that it was okay uh, to be to be loud, for instance. You know, and then have like upon seeing that reflection of myself, maybe in a shamanic journey or um, however it came to be, there's a process of really like learning 
about what my shadow around that thing is, about why that part of me felt scared and um, wanted to leave or didn't didn't feel accepted or integrated. Uh, and then doing that, that, that slow and painful work of learning how to love them unconditionally. And after, uh, after some time with that, you know, a lot of times those things that we find about ourselves, they have so much to offer. They're not just these, these pieces of us that we come to, um, to grapple with, you know, or, or accept, but they're actually like, hey, I have something really awesome to offer too. Uh, and that's where I really like thinking about those pieces of ourself as our medicine and as our gifts and our offerings. So I think the more that we get to explore those pieces of ourself, the more we get to surprise ourselves and others about like the badass gifts that we have in these, mm. in these places that we've rejected, that we've totally rejected from ourselves. Um, and I really love that as hard and painful as it is. I love doing that with myself and I love witnessing other people explore and experience that. There's a quote by um, Joseph Campbell, I think, and it's, within the darkest cave lies all of the treasures that you seek. Mm. And I really believe that above all else, I mean, what humans desire is connection. And I think for some above connection is service. So I'm curious, what, what are some of the ways that you've found these really like meaningful, profound um, rewards, gifts, um, like what are some of the ways that you have integrated these shadows to be able to offer them to someone else? What does that look like for you? Mm. I think, you know, one of the, one of the biggest places that I strive to offer that to other people is in this experience of wanting to continue to explore in myself and hold space for other people to to know that whatever that darkness is like for them uh, it's safe to explore that it's safe to um, it's safe to meet your your demons it's safe to uh, feel challenging emotions um, and yeah so after you know going on my own journey and experience with that and and realizing what I've learned from that I, I really love sharing that with people um, and I really want to co-create a world where there's more opportunity for us to be seen in that process um which is really vulnerable too uh, but that's something that I'm starting to create more space for in my practice um after working with people one-on-one -on -one for a while now um wanting to create more space for people to do that work together or to uh be seen or connect with with others on that journey because it can be really isolating. Mm -hmm. 
even if you are working with a teacher or a mentor or a practitioner. Um, there's something really powerful when you're doing that work for the first time, when you think that you're the only one going through that. Uh, there's something really powerful about witnessing and being witnessed, I think, on that. So mm. that's something I learned from, from my own experience of that and wished that I had had. Mm. Yeah, I feel it is... I mean, one of the many, many beautiful parts about vulnerability is that we don't have to do it just for ourselves. And we give permission to anyone, everyone else, um, by really showing up as our authentic self. And I think this idea of like authenticity is, it can be difficult to to like wrap our heads around um it's easy to be like yeah i'm keeping it real with grandma you know telling her what's what but i think the difficult time being authentic is not just when we are like reflecting on who we have been or what we have held on to or what we have experienced or like the trauma that we hold but also like can we be authentic in real time as this is coming up for us like as we are in the midst of our storm um, as the shadows are coming to the surface can we still be authentic then and I love the idea of and I mean that's why I love men's circles so much is it's this like everyone is showing up exactly as they are and everyone is being held exactly as they are and every time one of us does every time one of us shows up the other one gets permission to show up and the other one gets empowered to show up and by the end of it the guy that's speaking last is like so fired up and ready to just like tell everyone how he's doing that it it's like this this space of community and community beyond like i mean living in portland you know you're there's a million people around you great you're not alone there's certainly other human beings around but that doesn't mean you're not lonely mm. like our our connection to others is not the amount of people that we know or interact with it's the degree to which we're interacting with them the degree to which we're seen by them and can see them mm -hmm. And I think the most like potent healing space is that of a community. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And yeah, I think you're so, so right. We can, we can uh, be surrounded by people. And I think that's, you know, kind of what in reflection I was experiencing, you know, thinking back to those times in my life where I was surrounded by so many people, mm. you know, but I wasn't having those experiences of authentic connection and authentic relating. So I felt very alone, felt very isolated. And yeah, creating spaces in, in relationships, you know, creating spaces within relationships uh, or in community or in circle um, where we're really kind of, um, it's like we've all agreed a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. that we're gonna at least try to go there, that we're gonna explore. Uh, how much we can allow ourselves to go there. Um, I think you're right. That is the most healing experience. And I'm really reminded of that too uh, in 
in my work with people one-on-one -on -one as well as in circle of of how healing it is just for someone to share their story just for someone to share what they've been through or what they're feeling or what they're grappling with mm -hmm. um, and that's been something that's uh, been a journey you know for myself as a as a teacher too of like remembering that um, sometimes that's even all that's needed in those moments uh, is just that space mm -hmm. that space it's really powerful when someone um, or some 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 group of people chooses to to hold space in that way mm -hmm. you might not even need to speak absolutely you might yes. you oftentimes like i try to bring myself to say something most most groups um because i have resistance to it a lot and uh, that's that is one of my one of my new rules for myself is to do the uncomfortable things but i think so much comes from hearing and sharing experience like everyone has their own personal like one to ten scale on trauma mm -hmm. everyone has felt at some point the like most difficult thing that they've ever felt in their life and that's their ten and my ten might be someone else's six mm. but we've probably felt the same emotion we have the same um the experience might not have been identical but we can almost always relate to the emotion that someone else has felt or like where where they are at at that moment and i think this is like that is the kind of um authentic communication that's opened up in that kind of circle is beyond um just sharing what exactly like is happening in your life and getting like being able to ask the right questions and get a little deeper into like what is it that you are feeling in your life not like what is what is the thing but like what is the feeling mm -hmm. what is happening beneath the surface um because i feel like often it I'll, I'll just speak for myself when when i'm in that space like it's not that i'm upset that my job didn't go well or that like my partner didn't say the right thing to me i'm upset because something from long long ago is like bubbling up to the surface and i need to give space to what has happened to me in the past and having the people around you that know how to bring that out mm -hmm. and know how to bring you up and out and through instead of just like letting you stew in like where you have been is um like pivotal for mm -hmm. human evolution and growth and any kind of change. Yeah, that's such a gift mm -hmm. to have those people in your life and to move beyond that space of, um, well, you know, you'll get over it. It's okay. Right. You know, but look, but look over here on the bright side. Mm -hmm. You know, these ways that that I don't think we were ever trying to be harmful, but just as a culture have again just been out of balance you know and um yeah haven't haven't learned that that even the even the harm and the destruction that comes from uh, trying to maneuver around those topics or those experiences uh, i don't think that we've historically known how re-traumatizing that is mm -hmm. for ourselves and for one another yeah i think that that rios would you mind just popping up the microphone a little oh, bit yeah. oh. 
It's okay. I've still been hearing. I but <laughs> I didn't want to I didn't want to disconnect from the moment. It's it's totally fine. Everything's fine. Um I I feel like that um that that is this kind of really prevalent wounded masculine coming through that is very much so um here, let me give you the solution to your problem. Yeah. Here, let me tell you like what you can do to feel better. Here, let me like tell you why you should feel this way because everything's fine. Mm -hmm. Like I can explain this for you. I can logically, rationally like tell you what's going on and make it better. When what we need and have always needed, I think is to just feel what is happening very much like surrender to the feminine. Mm -hmm let yourself receive what is being offered, let yourself surrender to what's being felt so that you can go through it rather than staying within it. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of the work that I do is teaching and, and doing this work for myself, but how can we ground, firmly ground in the masculine so that we can hold space for the feminine, not just within women but within like myself within my friends within my brothers within my lovers and partners and mother and family and the entirety of everything ever but that's the really beautiful thing about these kinds of um like the polar ends of this energy spectrum is that one cannot exist without the other in order to in order to like fully be expressed in our feminine we first need to ground in our masculine so that we can really receive and and vice versa like we can't be on one side without also being in the other side um i think similar to holding space for others is very much so this kind of like interplay between the masculine and feminine mm -hmm. where we need to be grounded we need to be able to sit with it ourselves so that we can sit with it for somebody else yes so i'm curious because <laughs> there <laughs> there's this fear that comes up Maybe not fear, but just this question that comes up often um, in Brothers of the Moon, the group that I'm in, that's like, you know, we're doing all this work and we're talking about how to like hold space for the feminine all the time, but we're only meeting with men, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is great. It's a beautiful thing being able to connect on that level, but um, we could be getting a lot of shit wrong. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious for you working primarily with women as well as recovering from your own I, I mean I I generally presume that most people have relationship wounds because we don't always know what is right for us until we know what are the ways that as men we can best show up in support for this work mm -hmm. that women also need to do mm -hmm. yeah thank you for this question i think this is a really important question just for all of us mm -hmm. to be asking mm -hmm. and and talking about and um yeah as we're talking about holding space right and and that that is something that we're all learning how to do this as a way of reconnecting to our authentic masculine mm -hmm. um you know, to, to me, it, I think about that as, as being the container. And when 
when we're holding space for one another, when we're holding that container, we're energetically communicating, you are safe. Mm. You are safe here. And with our cultural experience of a wounded masculine, that's not being energetically communicated. And for the feminine to be able to step into her gift of opening her heart and opening the heart of the masculine, there has to be that energetic communication. Now that can come from the self, right? The self can uh, use their masculine to communicate that. But when we're practicing this relational, you know, way of, um, of communicating with one another, I feel like energetically that's the conversation that we want to be having. Uh, and that will be different for everyone, right? What that, what that looks like. But that's where I'm feeling called to think about beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think that, um, what I have recognized, not just for myself or for my partners or any other women in my life, but also for, um, the men in my life who also very much often need to be in the feminine energy is that what is being asked of us is not to have a solution is not to have a fix all is not to have a, a really, really not even to have advice. It's just being able to hold the space for the feminine to do its own work. And I think this like wounded and hyper masculine, like, and, and, and I think that, that all, this also really brings us back to this idea of grounding is that our mind is, is like constantly, constantly working and it's coming up with problems that don't exist and like a million solutions to the one problem that hasn't even happened yet. And I also like, I believe that when we are trying to like solve the thing for someone it's coming i don't think it's coming out of a bad place i think it comes from love i think it comes out of like wanting to show that we care and wanting to support and wanting to help someone but i think we've gotten so far away from what it means to like actually hold space for somebody else and i'm really I'm really interested at this kind of intersection of where like the men's work and the women's work comes together because I, I feel that there is a lot of um, like clarity to be found in the co-ed space. And um, I am, I'm in a, I'm in a co-ed program right now. That's a little bit larger than what I have in my, in my mind, but um yeah, I'm just, I'm really appreciative for this conversation that this is happening um, and that uh, I know there's a lot of like retroactive slack to be picked up by men doing this work and that it has been gone, it has gone untouched and undone for too long and we have some time to make up for but 
it's um it's so important yeah it's so important and um i'm always grateful to have allies like Mm -hmm. yourself in support of this yes me too i think yeah this is really incredible just to be having this conversation right now and it's yeah it's bringing me back to that place where even though um you know i have studied the masculine and the feminine being that i'm a feminine bodied person Mm -hmm. and um hold hold space and do my own work within that context of, of women's work and femininity there is inevitably a lot that I don't know about men's work and what that means too so it feels really potent to be able to sit in front of each other and say like okay what what really goes on over there and what do you need if anything you know what do you need or how can I support you through that work yeah I feel and we were having this conversation today I I really feel like um, not necessarily what is being asked because the wounded masculine does not like to ask for things, but perhaps what is needed um, most is I I think that for so long, and I know this is this is um, like maybe an overgeneralization, but that that women have struggled using their voice particularly around speaking up to men and it created a very that and adjunct with just this kind of like wounded masculine mentality that is being passed down to us generationally um creates this really volatile um like paradigm in which men are speaking too loud and women are not always speaking enough. And I really feel like what men need is to be um, checked like regularly as these things come up. I mean, I like even just having these, these conversations with, um, with my female friends about men that they're going on dates with and there's there's this idea this like kind of lack of consent not in like a not in a like really like physical physically like harmful or abusive way but this lack of consent even if it's just like like hey I would like to kiss you can I do that and um and I think like for me, my in my teenage years and young adult years, like that wasn't a thought I had in my brain. That wasn't, it, I didn't think I would ever be doing something wrong if I didn't ask, but I also didn't ask. And now as a, as a grown adult man who is very much like adamant on getting consent and realizing like how much more beautiful the space becomes when that is like really clearly expressed and stated and given and asked for, um, there's this like new world that opens up and I think we, we like need to be reminded of that. Yes, absolutely. And as you're sharing about that, I'm also thinking about my own experiences with consent and remember, like I remember the first time a man asked for consent when he went to kiss me. And I remember the way that my body relaxed into that moment. And I remember the overwhelming yes you know that came from my body and that came from my being and 
I'm thinking about how that feels really good for everyone, I think. And I remember uh, the conversation with that man afterward where he where he said, you know, I didn't know if I should do that. I didn't. I, I just I just it just you know it just came out of me um, I'm not sure if that's sexy right like there's all of this miscommunication about mm. what we want and what we need um, but I think consent as just a, a basis for understanding one another is uh, so astronomical at least um, the way that I've experienced it because we're giving ourselves and we're giving each other permission to say no Mm. Um, and without that kind of pause or moment to check in about what we want, desire, feel, uh, we might be acting from a place knowingly or unknowingly of trying to maybe meet someone else's expectation or go along with, uh, the energy or the pressure, Mm. you know, that we're feeling and when we can create spaces to, to just know that you know, that I know, that we both want to do this, whatever that thing is, mm. um, romantic, sexual, platonic, uh, when we just we give space and permission to ask and check in about that, I think it clears up a lot of those miscommunications and misconceptions that keep the masculine and the feminine um, in that space of uh, war or friction with mm. one another yes yeah i and like really deepen the connection as well like there i've i've said it before i'll say it till i leave this body boundaries and consent are the sexiest thing that we can like create with one another yes. there's there is an amount of freedom within that space that cannot be had I don't believe without without knowing what is right for you and without knowing what is right for the other person. Mm-hmm. And I think that the and and of course like we both have these sides of energies within us we all have masculine and feminine within our <clears throat> within our bodies and our energy spectrums and um sometimes I might want to be in my feminine and be really like held and supported um, and also like give my partner an opportunity to really tap into her masculine but the way I think that we can really start to bring those together in a cohesive way with others is to first really do that within ourselves um like we can't hold space for anyone if we haven't held the right space for ourselves i think going back to the beginning of this conversation like if we don't take care of our own needs if we don't check in with what's going on for us we don't have much to offer anyone else Mm -hmm. yeah it starts there absolutely Mm. um yeah it's really it's really hard to to hold that for someone else when you don't know how to hold that for yourself and just even as we're talking about that um you know I'm I'm thinking about what you said that I I really resonate with too of like remembering that power of holding space or you know feeling like when that perhaps wounded masculine part of ourself is like I should do more I should be more um yeah it's 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 that part of us that is still learning how to hold that space for ourselves, uh, and I think it's it's 
it's that part that is afraid that they're not going to be enough for the for the feminine whether that's within herself or or for someone else Mm -hmm. that's a lot of pressure on the masculine it's a lot of pressure when there's this spoken or unspoken um false idea that their role is to do it or fix it yeah yeah i think we fall into the trap then of tying up our own like measuring our own worth our own value especially as men where that is like um it's really like there's a lot of pressure there to be um to really be like masculine there's a lot of these expectations around that and when we place like our internal value worth on what we can offer for someone else or anything that is external, anything that is beyond just inherently being enough, we're constantly challenged with not feeling like we're enough. Mm -hmm. Nothing else is permanent other than our own. I mean, even that's not permanent, but that's the closest thing we have is our own inherent internal value and we're taught to measure it with external measurements and things and like how how can we be the best partner like the best lover or whatever the thing is and um we can't ever hold up to it fully and also often need to be in our feminine as well and never really learned how Mm -hmm. maybe maybe some have some maybe did when they were young many when they're older and many never do mm-hmm. okay um i'm curious now because you you're in partnership mm-hmm. yes how have you seen that how have you seen that heal parts of yourself that couldn't be healed on your own thank you for this question um so i just i'm just uh we just celebrated one year my current partner and i and so i've been reflecting you know on this um and for me you know when i when i came into this partnership i had taken about a year um not completely off from dating, but a year out of being in in partnership. And it was a pretty intentional year. Uh, I knew that I needed that space to, to work on, uh, healing for myself. And so I think, you know, sometimes when when we're doing that internal or solo work that is that we know is important and valuable, there can feel like a little bit of loss of control when you step into partnership. Um, and there can be this, this sense that, Oh no, am I still going to, to, to heal, to be able to heal myself and, and learn the things. And, you know, what I have discovered from being in this partnership is that it has really amplified my ability to heal my relationship with the masculine because now I'm having that experience not just within myself not just that self-validating experience but now um, I'm practicing that with another human being 
Um, and I think in particular for myself, what's been so healing about this experience is that this person has shown up with the availability to be committed to that experience of learning and growing and healing together. Um, and that alone, just that piece of commitment, I couldn't, it's not something I could give to myself. You know, I, I can in a, in a different way, but having someone show up for that process and, and, and say, I'm, I'm here for it, um, has, I think, allowed both of us to, to heal in ways that, that you just, you just can't do on your own. You know, I think both aspects of the work are so important. Um, but yeah, relational healing is, it's something I hadn't really experienced before this partnership. Uh, it was more so that the partnerships that I were in or the relationships I were, was in were, again, just more of those mirrors for uh, ways that I wasn't being authentic to myself or um, wounds that I really needed to to separate from to from the other person to be able to heal mm. yeah that's really beautiful thank you for sharing that yeah i'm what what's like coming through for me which is really interesting i've never had this thought before but essentially that that i think in order to really enter into intentional partnership sacred union and um really co-create with somebody it takes two holes coming together um but what's interesting to me is that there is only so much of this kind of healing and of this kind of work that can be done as an individual so there there's almost like this like not external but there's this like part of us that is locked, not locked up, but it is um, there's the, the part of us that comes together with with another to create this kind of entity that is beyond you, beyond your partner or me, my partner. Like I could be a whole person on my own, but there is a piece of me that cannot really be unlocked without sharing it with somebody else, because like you said, I can we can only do so much of that for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a really beautiful thing. Be and it's it's encouraging really for me to hear because I've very much been on this um, journey for the last um, five or six months now with um, intentional celibacy while I was also still in, in relationship um, and then out of relationship and have since broken the celibacy but what was um what i was having a hard time with was i like i felt like i got to this like threshold where like okay i'm like i've, I've been in it like i've been in the work but i still feel like there's this part of me that is not um that is like unable to connect in the way that I want to. And I think the reason for that is that that part of me like needs a safe space mm -hmm. in order to really connect. 
and I can create a safe space for myself and my own body to feel what it is I need and what may need to come through. But that healing process, it feels like the container needs to be made by another Mm -hmm. because what the real healing is, is being able to be held and being able to surrender and being able to receive. Wow. Yeah. I'm like really thinking about how profound that statement that you, that you just, (laughs) that you just shared is the, yeah, the, the practice of letting yourself be held so deeply vulnerable, the practice of trusting one another, trusting your partner, trusting that, um, you know, you're going to be with the, the muck and the stuff that Mm. comes up, uh, that you're going to let yourself be seen when the stuff and the muck comes up. Mm. Uh, that is just something that we just don't, we can't do with just ourselves. And it's a very, it's a very sacred, intimate process. And I think it's really different than perhaps what we're taught, you know, um, relationship is or what it's for. I think that really has taken me by surprise this past Mm -hmm. year too. Um, Something that I have experienced is this feeling like when my partner and I are moving through something challenging in the beginning there was this there was this uh tendency in myself to to be like well this just must not be it you know Mm -hmm. this must be like something that is incompatible about us or really like making this story about the the challenging experience that we were having and every time we've made it through something like that together after a couple times of that happening, I realized that that's, that's the work. That's, mm-hmm. that's what we do. That's why we're in relationship. If we weren't doing this, we wouldn't be looking at ourselves and we wouldn't be holding space for one another in a way that allows us to grow into deeper intimacy. And so that's something that I uh, have to still check myself on, you know, when we, when we come into those places, instead of thinking of, oh, how can I, uh, you know, how can I create more separation here or save myself from the pain of what what I think is inevitably coming? Mm. It's actually like, where can I find that space for vulnerability and connection through this experience that makes me want to run or that makes me feel um, separation with my partner? Yeah, like with any other ceremony, be it meditative or plant medicine or sound whatever the thing is like we don't we don't get anywhere by running from what it is we encounter yeah. we only get anywhere by going through and Ooh. pushing through and exploring yes and i think in relationship that is the tendency because it has we can externalize it you know it's not just our own shit that we're dealing our own muck our own shadow it's not just us there's a very easy way out and that is disconnecting from that person that you feel the resistance to Mm -hmm. in our own personal ceremony we don't get that option we're you know we're in it we're in it and the only way out is through Mm -hmm. but it's easier to run from another person than it is to run from ourselves yeah and it's almost like the greatest resistance that we face is really learning how to authentically connect Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and show up in whatever state that we are in yeah and i think that's that that piece of commitment 
it's commitment to your partner, but con- commitment to yourself mm-hmm. too. That you know, I'm not going to abandon this thing when it comes up. I'm not going to abandon the part of myself that is mm-hmm. uh, struggling mm-hmm. to feel connection. Um, and when, when two people are available to do that, I think it's pretty magical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the fear will come back no matter what. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. run and run and find another partner or whatever the thing is, but you can't outrun what is within. Yes, yes. And that mirror will find you. <laughs> it'll find you. It'll give you a more stern smack upside the head. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Our, you know, it's it's a beautiful thing. Our, our, um, our soul or spirit or daemon or atman or whatever word you choose to use for it it it's just it wants to evolve yeah you know it want it doesn't age in in days and weeks and months and years it ages in experience it ages mm-hmm. in moments that it has felt and moments that it has seen and connected with and it wants us to feel that it's there and when we start running from it it finds a way to come through even f- harder and faster and it's not really concerned with how difficult it might be for you. <laughs> no, it's not. Because it's all out of love. Right. But it might still hurt. Yeah, it's that it's that tough love. It's that motherly love um, mm. that, yeah, doesn't let us abandon ourselves mm. or abandon the work. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm curious um, if before we go you would feel open to holding um some space and offering this grounding exercise um for me but Mm -hmm. also for anyone else who may be listening and curious absolutely yeah i'd be happy to do that okay thank you yeah i invite you to close your eyes here And just start by connecting to your breath. Perhaps taking a few deep inhales and exhales. Reutilizing that breath to come deeper into the self. And we're pulling back our energy from anywhere in the past where that's caught up in the future we're bringing it all home to this time and this space and if your feet are on the floor you can think about Opening those channels in the bottom of your feet. You might think about what it feels like to have your feet on the ground beneath you. What it feels like to connect. This is the first space in which your body connects to the earth. And what we'll do is we'll start by just holding space for you to let go of anything that is ready to exit your body, 
and start to flow down the body, down the legs, and then out those channels in the bottom of the feet. This is a process of clearing the field, emptying yourself, letting go, and we'll just be here until you intuitively feel that that space is clear. you do feel that clarity you can now again with those channels in the bottom of the feet think about drawing up the red energy from the earth beneath you start by feeling it come up the legs as you feel it enter the body, knowing that it's infiltrating the root system. And then it'll eventually start to come up a little higher into the sacral, the low belly. You'll feel it come up into the solar plexus at your navel. You'll feel it start to come in through your palms, up your arms, and move into the center of your chest, your heart. Drawing this red earth energy higher up your shoulders and your neck and throat pulling this energy up into your jaw and the back of your head bringing it up through your face into your brow with the third eye And you'll eventually feel this energy shoot out of the crown of your head. And it's from this space that we know that we have opened all of our energy centers to receive that grounding support of the earth beneath you. This is a good space to go about your day or about your work, knowing that you're here and supported and loved. And whenever you feel complete with that process, you can start to bring yourself back.
like warm for my body. And I'm like, dude, I could just lay in bed and feel like this like all day. Mm. Yeah. So nice. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like tucked in. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, Faith. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for exploring mm. these topics, conversations. Mm. Really enjoyed this. Me too. Thank you. That was that was um, a potent bit of your medicine. Mm. I'm really grateful mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I just have one more question I'd like to ask before we wrap things up. If you could, if you could go back as you are now and speak with the young Fae who was speaking to the animals and the plants, who was feeling her connection to the earth and to all things, but who was about to separate herself from it for fear that she would not be accepted or seen as who she is, what would you say to her? I would let her know that she's not alone, that she's never been alone, that there's nothing that she could ever do to separate herself from spirit or from nature, Mm. and that she's safe exactly as she is. Thank you so much. Thank you. Mm, Much love, everyone. Bye.